0: Thanks, announcer guy, and thank you for checking out the Paper Cuts podcast. This was supposed to be our season finale, the epic conclusion to season one, but life happens. Sometimes things get in the way, and my co-host, Dean DeFalco, could not join me this week, so we are just going to do a quick little mini-comic, get through just a couple of books that I wanted to talk about. Next week, we'll get through the whole epic, you know, conclusion and and do the proper season finale to get to uh (laughs) i say i say it'll be issue 52 at that point but i don't know it'll be issue like 56 or 57 because we can't count and that's okay i am dan ryan this is the paper cuts podcast and there was a bunch of stuff that came out this week um a a couple of secret wars things came out this week but i'm actually not going to talk about any of them we're going to save that for next week there wasn't there wasn't much that that really influenced the story all that much. A couple of the crossovers uh, wrapped up, like Siege in particular, um, had a pretty satisfying wrap up to its story arc. Uh, Planet Hulk is is coming rapidly to a close. If if that issue wasn't the close, Civil War is coming up to a close. So we're get we're getting here to the tail end of the Secret Wars books, and uh, we'll start we'll deal with them a little bit more in depth next week. What I did want to talk about this week, though. <clears throat> A couple of image books, and then a new Marvel book that I'm personally really, really fucking excited about. Uh, we'll get to that last, though. The first one is Faster Than Light, number one. Now, this has nothing to do with the video game uh, of the same name, FTL. This uh, this comic book is by Brian Haberlin and Skip Brittenham. The art and the story are being done by Mr. Haberlin. I, I think Brittenham just... Is, is credited as a co-creator on this story. And basically, what we're dealing with here is a future story, um, not, not 50 years in the future, but a, a somewhat near future story where a scientist has finally cracked the code to be able to give ships the ability to have faster-than-light speed travel. So, hence the title, Faster Than Light. What this means is that for space exploration, and this is something that people are working on in the real world as well, because it takes us really long fucking time to get anywhere in space. Everything's really, really far away. So if, if someone can crack faster than light travel, it'll make travel to other planets and, and things in our solar system take a matter of days, as opposed to the months or sometimes years that it would take now. Here in the story, a scientist has cracked the code, has enabled faster-than-light travel, and the space program of what appears to be the United States, um, Russia, and some other foreign country, they, there, wasn't, there wasn't enough done with the, with the dialogue to really indicate where that person might have been coming from but there's a bunch of countries that are getting together and they have they have rather quickly cobbled together and added on to a spaceship that was already you know going to go to Mars and and was equipped for that they have cobbled together all of this stuff and put new tech on top of old tech to enable faster than light travel because apparently there has been some sort of threat that has been made there is a scene where the captain of the ship is Talking to the council And they flash a picture of this really Intimidating looking Extraterrestrial creature and they say Let let us remind you <laughs> What you're actually going out to look for We're going to tell the world That you're going out on an exploration mission And isn't this great You're going to find new technology and new things That are going to benefit humanity as a whole But your actual mission is to You know Find out what the hell this thing is And kill it if you have to so the the captain of the ship talks to his crew he he is not giving them the whole story the rest of the crew doesn't know what they're actually going out to do and and that's really about all that happened in this issue like i was really excited for this book I've, you know i love deep space travel like i love that idea the the possibilities that exist in that storytelling area are are really endless. I mean, since we don't know what's out there, as long as you have some sort of relatively decent science behind it, you can pretty much come up with anything you want. You know, it's where we get things like the Aliens franchise, right? It's just an absolutely incredible franchise. Well, the first two movies anyway, Alien 3 and and Alien Resurrection, I think was the fourth one. The fourth one it was, f- it was fucking awful. But, but the alien and aliens and even Prometheus to a point. There's a lot of really cool, really interesting stuff that can be done there. And and this book was was obviously influenced by Ridley Scott's movies. A lot of the the visual aesthetic of the uh, of those films is there. Uh, there's a lot of like the ship looks like it's been lived in. It's been you know broken down a few times, been repaired a few times. There's a brief little dialogue scene with the engineer who says, you know, like, wow, those numbers don't mean anything. And, and the ship will hold and we'll be able to do it. It'll be great. Don't worry about it. But I mean, the, there's potential here for a really, really great story and a really great book. But this issue really took a long time to get to the point. It really feels like it really feels like this entire issue could have been done in two or three pages so I can't necessarily give a glowing recommendation for faster than light. Number one, I think once this is part of the first arc in a trade, it won't be such a glaringly slow, just, I don't know. I'm going to call it a misstep as far as the first issue is concerned. But I think once it's, once it's part of that overall collection, I think you're going to have something really good here. Cause Haberlin's a, a talented guy. His, his artwork the technical aspects of the artwork were really great the ships all the the tech and and the outer space you know scenery looked really awesome some of the character work was a little a little hit or miss nothing nothing terrible certainly but you know the the story is good the idea is solid the character dialogue was was solid it just needed to be a little quicker so faster than light number 1 i mean if you're really hard up for a space story Wait till we talk about our third book, I guess, um, or I'm—I mean, you know—wait till the trade for this one. We'll check back in with it when issue two comes out. But second book to talk about, Walking Dead number one forty-six. Um, just man, I, this book has been coming at such a uh, such a fucking furious pace, and so much has happened in the last. The last three issues, 144, 145, and and now this one, 146. I mean, in 144, we talked about it a couple episodes ago or a couple issues ago that the the Whisperers and Alpha and the the threat that Rick and everyone is facing is as bad as it has ever been in this book. She killed 12 of their community members, put their heads on Spikes, and like, use that to mark the border between Alexandria's territory and the Whisperer territory. And last issue, Rick went back and had to tell his people what had happened. And not only what had happened, but that there would be no immediate repercussions. As you can imagine, this does not sit well with most of the people who lost someone. And issue 146 deals with. The fallout of Rick telling, you know, these people's loved ones that, you know, look, she killed them and we're not going to do anything about it yet. It's, it's rough. Like this, this issue was really sparse on dialogue, which was something that The Walking Dead has done before. There's been plenty of issues of The Walking Dead where there's not a lot of words cluttering up the page and. The, the storytelling is left up to 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 Charlie to Charlie Adler to be able to communicate what's going on and, and what he does in this issue in particular is just it's just gut wrenching. I mean, you you see you see these characters just at their their absolute worst, man. And like you know, we're we're here we're 146 issues into this book, and we care about these people. You know, uh, if you've if you've been a fan of The Walking Dead, the, the, these are these are people that have been around for a, a relatively long time. as As far as well, certainly as far as zombie comic books are speaking, but as far as pop culture and whatnot, it's they've been around for a while. And there is a big throwdown between Rick and Maggie in this issue. It, it finally comes out. Rick challenges Maggie as to her, you know, execution up at the at the hilltop where she took out the former leader of the hilltop after he had tried to poison her and kill her and Rick and Maggie get into a fucking fight. And Maggie's been around since like the second arc since they, you know, since they met her dad Herschel at the farm. I mean, we're going back 10 years in, in the comic book at this point and they finally had it out and threw down and just beat the shit out of each other. And it was brutal. And, kind of tough to read because these are characters that have, have gone through so much together and you know spoilers they kiss and make up at the end well they don't kiss but they, they do make up at the end and you know we we get this really really nice um, really nice and, and scary scene at the end of this issue where Eugene comes over and to talk to Rick And says, you know, Rosita, who was one of the people who was killed in issue 144, you know, Rosita, she was pregnant at the time and the baby wasn't mine, but we were going to raise it like it was mine. And we were never going to tell the kid. We were never going to tell the father because there's there's already so much negativity in this world. We didn't want to thrust that upon a kid. And now Rosita's head has been chopped off and put on a pike. And, you know, there's there's a close up on just just Eugene's mouth with the word bubble. These people have to die. And he he finishes the issue by telling Rick, you know, the one thing, the one tactical advantage that we have is that we have Alpha's daughter because Alpha's daughter is hanging out with Carl. She Alpha let her daughter go back to Alexandria and and leave the Whisper camp. And, you know, I, are they going to use her? I, I don't know. It, it's just 146 issues in. I can't wait for issue 147. It's the book I look forward to almost more than any book every month. It's, it's fucking fantastic. If you have lapsed off The Walking Dead, I say this almost every time that we, we talk about this book on the show, but <clears throat> if you've lapsed off The Walking Dead, go back and start here Start with the Whisperer storyline. So go back about 10 issues. It started around issue 130 or so, 131, somewhere around there. Jump in when you start to see Alpha. It, it's fucking great, man. You'll be hooked. It's an excellent book. All right. Finally, the last thing I want to talk about is, uh, well, I mean, like, let's just be honest. Like, the hype machine for The Force Awakens for the new Star Wars film for episode seven is in full goddamn effect. We've had force Friday. All the merchandise is out. All the toys are out. There's new shirts. There's new cups. There's new plates. There's new betting sets. There's new fucking everything that you could possibly want. There's new Star Wars stuff. And now that Marvel is doing the comic books again, of course there was going to be a new comic. And that one finally came out this week. Journey, it's a terrible title. Let's get that out of the way. It, Journey to Star Wars The Force Awakens Shattered Empire Number One. Just give me Shattered, like Shattered Empire Number One would have been fine. Star Wars fans know what this book is and what story it's trying to tell. The team that is on this book, though, the art is being done by Marco Caceto, uh, who is just a fucking fantastic artist, and he absolutely crushes it in this book and the story is being written by Greg Rucka. So we have one of the best writers that has ever been in comic books writing a Star Wars book. If that's not enough to get you hyped, I I I don't know I don't know what more you could possibly want out of this book. That team is about as good a team as you could possibly get. Where this book opens up is in the final moments of the, of episode 6 of the third film, um, Return of the Jedi. The Battle of Endor is happening. They are attacking the Death Star. It starts like with a double-page spread of Luke and Vader fighting in front of Emperor Palpatine, intercut with just this epic space battle going on behind him, and, and it is fucking gorgeous. Like, Cachetto killed it. It was so good. The coloring... Uh, was Andres Massa on this book. It was so good. It was so easy to follow, even though it was crazy hectic and there's laser blasts everywhere and like, oh god, it just it just looked phenomenal. Like I want I want that double page spread as as like a huge poster. It was just incredible. It then dives down into a space battle with uh, the Green Team uh, and Green Four, who seems to be our our main. Character in the book now. She's an A-wing pilot, and she is she is a badass. She is just flying through and taking out people left and right. Uh, we see the moment where Luke flies out in the Imperial starship. She is you know hunting him down, ready to blast him, and and gets the call of you know no, there's there's an Alliance member on there. Don't don't shoot him down, please. It's fucking Luke Skywalker. That would be you know a negative. And she instead escorts him out and is taken out TIE fighters and shit. And it's just, uh, everything just looks great. The characterization was awesome. Like, they all, every character that you would want really makes an appearance. I mean, Han Solo's in it, Chewbacca's in it, Luke's in it. And then you get a bunch of the ancillary characters. And they all feel either unique to themselves as new characters. Or they feel exactly like you would want them to be as far as what you know from the movies. I mean, fucking Lando's in it. (laughs) I mean, Lando Calrissian is just a pimp. The Ewoks are in it, and, you know, I mean, Rucker didn't have to do a lot with their dialogue other than just Jub-Jub, really, but it's in there. It makes sense the way that he intersperses their dialogue with human characters or humanoid characters getting frustrated (laughs) talking to them of like, yeah, I don't speak your language, man, so you can say Jub-Jub all you want, but... Not going to make a difference to me where the story goes, though, is that after the battle of Endor and they take out the second Death Star and seem to be, you know, everything is great. um, Han Solo comes out after the celebration and goes and finds his team that he is leading and says, uh, we're not done. There is a force on the other side of the moon that apparently did not get the memo that the war is over. And it would be really bad form of us to leave the, the Ewoks here, not necessarily defenseless, but to just leave them here without taking these guys out. So we're going to go ahead and we're going to take them out. And they make the storm on, the, on the, the, the forces of the Empire, go in, download a bunch of information, and the last page of the book, Han Solo comes out and says, uh, you know, we're not even close. There's a lot more information than we thought. We're not even close to done. And that's going to set up and take us into the film, into The Force Awakens when it comes out in December. The fucking movie looks dope. This book was dope. If you are a Star Wars fan and you are not reading these Star Wars comics that Marvel is putting out, you are really missing out on some excellent, excellent material. If, you know, they've got the Lando book is was solid. The main Star Wars book is great. The Darth Vader book is great. The Princess Leia book was probably the weakest of what's come out so far. There is a Canon, the last Padawan book that's out that's pretty good. Um, and that's coming from the current cartoon show that's out on, on Disney XD, I believe, the Star Wars Rebels. Um, but this one, if you're not going to read any of those, this is the one you want to read. This directly ties into this is official... Canon, going forward, filling in the gap between Return of the Jedi and where we will pick up in December at The Force Awakens. It was an excellent book. Greg Rucca does not write bad comic books. That guy is, is all class, all time. You need to get it. You just need to get it. And, you know, 20 minutes, quick little issue. That's about, that about does it. I mean, for this issue the Paper Cuts podcast, as always, I want to thank you guys for listening. Remind you, head over to geekade.com. We've got tons of great content. New stuff goes up every single stinking day. You want articles? We got articles. You want podcasts? We got podcasts. We got this one, Stone Age Gamer, uh, Between Two Beards, Tiger Driver ninety one, tons of other podcasts. We've got tons of videos that are going up from the you know from comic book shops to. Uh, to the Ring the Bell guys doing really funny stuff with wrestling. We've got anything you could possibly want. Don't forget to subscribe to this show. And if you have a moment, just leave us a quick five-star review over on iTunes. It helps get eyes and ears on the show. helps moves, move us up the charts. It's how people can find us on iTunes, right? You, you've got to leave a, leave a five-star. Even if you don't like it, leave a fucking five-star anyway. I'm a nice guy. Do it for me. Uh, finally, if you ever want to get a hold of us, just go ahead and follow us on Twitter. You can find Dean at Kimono underscore Vestlord. Kimono underscore Vestlord. And you can follow me on Twitter, at dan Tune in next week for the epic conclusion to Season 1. Is it possible we will already be retconning our retcon? Tune in seven days from now to find out. For Dean DeFalco, Dan Ryan, I'm Dan Ryan.